I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Genesa! Shit. Okay. Fuck. Um, Sophie, help me out here. I, I was just shouting genocide. That's not a good way to open a podcast. Okay. Um, um, Hitler! Fuck. No, that's no? basically the same as shouting genocide. Um, um, this is Behind the Bastards, is the it? podcast oh, that okay. has not once been introduced like an actual professional. No, there was being... one time you did it like so professionally. Maybe that was the asset. But episode, you were doing Sophie. a bit. That so might, like, oh, I was doing a bit. Yeah. That must have been the ap- asset episode. I've forgotten which episode was the asset. You won't episode. tell me, listeners. I never will. S- tell me once. your theories of which episode you think Robert was fully on acid for when we recorded. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm, one of the mm-hmm. older episodes. Yeah, I mean, and if you're really, really a behind the bastards fan, try to figure out which one I was just fucking blazed on 2CI for. But that's a story for another day. This is Behind the Bastards podcast. Worst people, all of history. Tell you all about him. My guest today, Mr. Ben Bolin. Ben, how are you doing? I'm so excited. You know, guys, it's it's a, it's a wild time. I snuck into this office where I'm sitting in the darkness. I turn off the video because Wi-Fi is weird because everything is kind of terrible in general. Uh, but uh, you know, it's a, it's a bright light. Uh, to to be uh, together with you guys today. I wanted to tell you, I was talking, uh, Robert, with Sophie earlier. I really enjoyed the episode you guys did on the protocols of the elders of Zion. I thought that was Oh, super you're another well Zion head. A protocol stand. 
Probably uh, I am not, not a protestant. I'm not calling that. <laughs> uh, I'm really sad that Ben doesn't have his video on because I would have loved to have seen your face just now. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, because I thought it was stuff people um, need to know about the genesis or the evolution of that kind of stuff and just how dangerous it is. So I, I wanted to just shout out that episode in particular. Um, and I do wish I had, I wish I had the video on. I think all three of us are far flung across the country yes. right now, Yeah, uh, but it's really great to see you guys scattered to the winds. Yeah, it's great to kind of see you and mm-hmm. your Mark Ruffalo icon. Yeah, Ben, this is actually, speaking of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, this has been a great week for genocide. Or, I should say, this has been a great week for recognizing historical genocides. Yeah, um, good job, Joe. Our media. Thank you. Good job, yeah, Joe. Well, th- what, what we're, this has nothing to do with the episode, but I think Absolutely it's nothing. pretty rad. Joe Biden recognized uh, for the was the first American president last week to recognize the genocide of the Armenians that started in 1915 and hasn't really ended by a lot of accounts, um, which no other president had the had the cojones to do up until now. And the best thing, well, not the best thing about it, but a rad thing about it is that Erdogan, the um, the dictator of uh, Turkey, um, shot back at the United States by threatening to recognize the genocide of the Native Americans that the U.S. committed. And so yes, we're now in this I weird, saw that. it's like Cold War nuclear brinksmanship, but with the recognition of historic crimes against humanity. And I'm with totally doing the right of thing. Yeah. yeah, let's keep recognizing genocides. Yeah, Like, hey, watch out, buddy. I might also mm-hmm. start telling the truth to school children. Yeah, I'll talk about all the horrible things you're cut. Good. <laughs> Let's throw Belgium in here. Fuck it. Let's recognize all the genocides. Um, so, yeah, this is actually one of those weird times where like stupid political dick measuring is seeming seems to be objectively positive. because Now everybody's talking about different genocides committed by imperial powers, which I'm supportive of. So, oh, yeah, I don't know. hundred percent. Good. Good. <laughs> Speaking of genocide. Ben. Wow. You could make a case that American policing <laughs> uh-huh. has a lot in common with different genocidal regimes throughout history, namely in the use of state power to oppress specific racial and religious groups. Mm-hmm. 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 That's kind of what we're talking Hard about agree. today. Not, not, not quite, but we're talking about, have you ever heard of the term excited delirium, Ben? I have actually heard of the term excited delirium, mm-hmm. though I am going to be honest with you, Robert, Sophie, I am not caught up with the textbook definition there. What are we talking? So excited delirium, in short, just to introduce the concept, is a lot of doctors would argue is a fake disease invented by police mm-hmm. to justify murder. Ah, Cool, cool, cool. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, the story gets much more complicated and shady than that. This is a real, really going to piss you off. Um, but I think I should start um, with kind of the most recent touch point for the term excited delirium, which was the killing of George Floyd uh, by now convicted murderer Derek Chauvin, um, formerly a police officer. Uh, when Derek Chauvin put his knee and his entire body weight on George Floyd's neck for like eight minutes or so, Uh, The other cops Mm -hmm. present with him knew that something was wrong. One officer, a fellow named Lane, asked Chauvin, should we roll him on his side? Chauvin declined, saying, no, staying put where we got him. 
Officer Lane then said, I am worried about excited delirium or whatever. Now, first off, that's a very casual or way to whatever. talk about Or whatever, right? Yes. <laughs> what the fuck? Or whatever. Yeah. Whenever somebody adds or whatever yeah. at the end of a sentence, that means they don't care. That's like when somebody adds yeah. for you at the end of a compliment. That means they don't yeah. like you. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, can you imagine like going into the doctor and then being like, "Yeah, your kidneys are probably shutting down or whatever." <laughs> like you would, <laughs> you would, you would not feel great about that doctor. Yeah. Um. So the way he used it, excited delirium, may kind of seem like a nonsense term to you, even if you are a medical professional. I know we have a number listening, uh, because most doctors do not recognize excited delirium as a thing. If you don't know the history I'm about to go over today, that term probably flew over your head as just a piece of cop jargon. Um, someone who isn't a doctor trying to diagnose a man struggling to breathe. But the reality of what that term means and how it's used is actually much more sinister than that. You might be aware that the initial press release the Minneapolis police sent out after Floyd's death was, man dies after medical incident during police interaction. Um, Which is, yeah, (laughs) medical incident. Uh, I mean, technically, that's like you shoot someone to death and you're like, well, he had a medical incident as a result of the lack of blood in his body. And it's like, that's not inaccurate, but (laughs) let's tell those. But anyway, you're probably aware that Chauvin's defense attorney uh, and a constellation of right-wing bad faith actors blamed Mr. Floyd's death on a drug overdose. What you might not be aware of is that the term excited delirium is more or less an invented condition created mostly by a mixture of cops and the Axon Corporation, who make tasers, in order to blame mostly black men murdered by the police for their own deaths. The whole story of this is bugfuck, and it will make you want to do things that put the burning of the third precinct to shame. Um, The most immediate precursor to excited delirium, the modern term, was something called Bell's Mania. And Bell's Mania was first described in 1849 by Dr. Luther uh, Luther V. Bell in a publication with the, no shit, real name, the American Journal of Insanity. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do the page numbers go sequentially or like how how weird are they getting with it? You know, is it I'm going to guess it's a pretty boring journal. I kind of want to put out a journal that just that's just titled. You're not going to believe this fucking shit. (laughs) Just weird (laughs) physics and deep sea fish. Wild, right? Yes, yes. And there's like always one article about poop just so we can keep it on the nose enough. So Luther Bell published an article in the American Journal of Insanity uh, based on his work at the psychiatric ward at McLean Hospital in Boston. He observed 40 patients admitted with what he called fever in delirium and noted that many of them went from experiencing hallucinations, agitation and fever to death within several weeks of admission. Now, Bell was taking notes on a very real phenomenon, or at least a series of different phenomenons that kind of presented in similar ways. The most likely cause for most of the symptoms he was uh, observing was basically a lack of antipsychotic medications, which didn't exist at the time he was doing his work. When those were developed in the 1950s, Bell's mania grew markedly less common as a diagnosis. Doctors today now recognize that most of Bell's patients who died were likely suffering not from any kind of mania, but from infectious or autoimmune encephalitis, something that also became much easier to recognize and treat in the early 1920s. These were a lot of people who were put in institutions with poor sanitary standards. They died as a result of that, but because they were kind of acting 
erratic and agitated and, you know, shrieking and stuff. He just kind of were like, oh, this is some sort of mania, right? The reality is they had fucking encephalitis in most cases and um, antipsychotic medications would have dealt with most of the rest of the things. But at the time, you know, Bell's not a bad guy here. He's, he's doing the best or not to my knowledge. Based on what I can read, he seems like he's doing the best he can to diagnose a symptom, and he just gets it wrong because it's fucking 1850, and no one knew anything, you know? Um, right. This is all, also, people forget, you know, we put, um, there, there are people who have done such excellent, meaningful work in the world of medicine, but we forget that medicine as an institution has these deep systemic problems. Like, what was the guy's name? Samelweis? The guy who got the shit beat out of him for asking doctors to wash their hands. Oh, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Right. That was a huge controversy. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm like, I, I know like there, I, I love that you said bad faith actors, man, mm-hmm. because there are people who are working in good faith assiduously with the best information they have at the time. So I, I feel like what you're saying about Dr. Luther Bell is that he's not trying to be a dick right no no, and no. He prob- not to my knowledge yeah no. and it, not not to what we what we understand from the record and uh i i would i would ask you you know i know we're going somewhere with this but i, I want to think about this like one of the big questions because i think i see where we're going here robert one of the big questions is how would he feel about the way the successor of his idea is being used right yeah, and I I don't know enough about Bell to tell you that. Um, but it, it's 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 going to go to some unexplained unexpected places. He certainly I don't think saw this coming when he was he was doing his best to kind of diagnose what he thought was a single syndrome. Um, and kind of that story I just told Bell diagnoses this mania in the 1850s, and then in the 1950s, because of better medications, it goes away. That would probably be the end of the story of Bell's mania if it weren't for friend of the pod, cocaine. Yes. In the 1980s, cocaine in 70s, cocaine became markedly more common as a drug of abuse. Uh, And in 1985 in particular, Miami was rocked by a sudden spate of deaths among black female sex workers. 32 women in total died, and upon initial examination, their deaths seemed inexplicable. The only hint medical examiners and police had was the fact that they all had some amount of cocaine and other drugs in their system. Charles Wetley, a forensics pathologist, decided based on nothing really that a combination of cocaine use and sexual intercourse had killed the women. Wetley decided that with chronic cocaine use, quote, the male of the species becomes psychotic and the female of the species dies in relation to sex. Which <laughs> is an incredible wow. conclusion to jump to. It's the coke and fucking that's killing them. <laughs> it makes men crazy and it makes women die. <laughs> wow. Oh, well, and this is 1985, right? Bell, had, we have an excuse for him getting stuff wrong. It's 1850. People, most of medicine involved hacksaws then. Charles Wetley has no excuse to be saying this shit. Um, he wrote, quote, My gut feeling is that this is a terminal event that follows chronic use of crack cocaine affecting the nerve receptors in the brain. Wetley started using the term excited delirium to refer to this deadly cocaine-fueled mania he was pretty sure had to exist. Of course, he was fucking wrong. Better medical examiners and detectives looked into the deaths, exhumed a number of bodies, and found that the women had all been asphyxiated by a serial killer. Excited delirium had not caused their deaths, 
But Wetley was off to the races now, and the condition he'd more or less invented provided a perfect scapegoat for cops who were increasingly getting flack over all the black people they murdered in custody. So that's, and, and Wetley really pulls back to excited delirium to say, like, I'm not the first guy recognizing this. You know, there's a history of the medical, uh, and it, it went away in the 1950s, but then cocaine brought it back. And this is, you know, you can't okay. divorce this entirely from the, the war on drugs, right? You've got Reagan in the White House. People are starting to flip out about the dangers of, of cocaine and crack in particular. Crack is, you know, more associated with the use by, by use for people who aren't white and rich. So it gets really demonized. And Wetley provides a way to blame people for their own deaths. When in the case, like the thing that the name excited delirium comes from a bunch of female black sex workers getting murdered by a serial killer. And Wetley's immediate jump is like, no, it must be their fault. (laughs) You know, he like completely misses what had actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. It's real fucked up. It's mind boggling to me because this is something that is, that is new information. The idea that one could take this, meta level of victim blaming like to the extreme yeah. it's over nine thousand level of, of victim blaming and then say uh, and then have it be picked up as a convenient cause i mean you know uh, we've always all of us actually on on the shows that and that hang out together and actual friends we're all very well aware of uh the the problems with the official narrative of the crack cocaine epidemic but you know it's like the big question uh, the big question about uh, arms races too, right? Like who's manufacturing the guns, right? Who's mm-hmm. who's growing the the coca plants? Because it's certainly not someone in fucking you know Los Angeles. Uh, so mm-hmm. it feels like it feels like this is beyond incompetence. I would argue it feels like this guy is intentionally skipping some cognitive steps oh, yeah. to oh, find this conclusion. Interesting. Yeah, we're we're going to be talking about Wetley a bit later in the episode. So, keep a put a pin in that one, Ben. <laughs> so, got it. The excited delirium diagnosis spreads like wildfire after 1985. Since there were also an awful lot of cocaine overdoses in this period, very few people noticed anything fishy. One group of researchers in 1997, writing for the Journal of Forensic Science, did decide to investigate the troubling rise in excited delirium deaths. Quote From a registry of all cocaine-related deaths in Dade County, Florida, from 1969 to 1990, 58 excited delirium deaths were compared with 125 victims of accidental cocaine overdose without excited delirium. Compared with controls, EDDs, excited delirium deaths, were more frequently black, male, and younger. They were less likely to have a low body mass index and more likely to have died in police custody, to have received medical treatment immediately before death, to have survived for a longer period, to have developed hyperthermia, and to have died in some months. In other words, most accidental cocaine toxicity deaths were of white people who died suddenly, generally not near police because they were partying and doing a bunch of cocaine, right? And they just drop dead suddenly because their heart blows up, right? right? Meanwhile, black excited delirium cocaine overdose deaths were nearly all black people who had been restrained by law enforcement immediately prior to their death. The study also noted that these excited delirium cocaine overdoses tended to have much less cocaine in their system than the white cocaine overdoses. So these are all getting blamed on cocaine, but the excited delirium deaths are overwhelmingly black, overwhelmingly involve police use of force, and they have a lot less cocaine in their systems than the people who are just dying of cocaine. Good stuff. Does it add up, right? Say the quiet part out loud. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. 
it's it was pretty obvious to the to the researchers paying attention from the beginning what was happening. But again, most people don't really catch on at this stage. Now, if you can read between the lines just a little bit, the picture is very clear. Cops were arresting black people for drug possession and restraining them. Like Derek Chauvin, a lot of these cops restrained their suspects in a way that caused death. Then they blamed that death on cocaine and wrote the deaths off as excited delirium cocaine overdoses. Dr. Michael Baden, a, pr- a prominent forensic pathologist who studies p- deaths in police custody and was once the chief medical examiner for New York City, explained to Brookings, quote, This is the germination of excited delirium. The same people who did these prostitution deaths now applied excited delirium to cocaine users in Miami and people who died while being subdued by police. By the late 1990s, good doctors had started to realize what was going on, and a series of studies were published analyzing all these excited delirium deaths. It became increasingly clear that the key commonality in most of these deaths was not cocaine or any behavior on the part of the deceased, but the fact that they had been put in police custody and that less lethal weapons like mace or tasers had been used on them. One analysis in the Canadian Medical Association Journal found, quote, In all 21 cases of unexpected death associated with excited delirium, the deaths were associated with restraint for violent agitation and hyperactivity, with the person either in a prone position, 18 people, 86%, or subjected to pressure on the neck, 3 people, 14%. All those who died had suddenly lapsed into tranquility shortly after being restrained. The excited delirium was caused by a psychiatric disorder in 12 people, 57%, and by cocaine-induced psychosis in 8%, in 8 people, 38%. 18 people, 86%, were in police custody when they died. Four, 19%, had been sprayed with mace, and heart disease was found in another four at autopsy. The blood level of cocaine in those whose excited delirium was cocaine-induced was similar to levels found in recreational cocaine users and lower than levels found in people who died from cocaine intoxication. Now, it's hard to know the precise scope of the problem, but excited delirium deaths are, based on the evidence we have, extremely common. 11% of all deaths in police custody in Maryland are attributed to excited delirium. In the last decade, at least 53 people have died in custody in Florida. Some counts are more like 85 uh, and were blamed on what was more or less a fake cause of death, excited delirium. Today, law enforcement officers are routinely taught in training that excited delirium is a condition characterized by sudden aggression and distress, generally brought on by the use of illegal substances and often ending in sudden death. Excited delirium is not recognized as a thing by the American Medical Association, the American Psychiatric Uh, Association, the World Health Organization, or the European Society of Emergency Medicine, which represents doctors in 30 countries. It is not listed in the the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, the DSM-5. As far as I can tell, only two organizations of physicians recognize it as a thing, the American College of Emergency Physicians and its British counterpart. And the story of why that is is pretty shady. But before we get into that, you know what else is shady, Ben? What's that, Robert? The products and services that support this podcast. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. 
And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I used to have so many men How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes about six million approximately 11 million dollars nearly 10 million dollars was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry she would probably have sex with one of her clients hide your money in your old rich man because <laughs> she is on the prowl listen to queen of the con season five the athlete whisperer on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts We are back, and I've just promised Ben that that um this is going to get a lot worse, uh, so much worse. Um, and I'm I'm making that promise to all of you. By the end of this, again, you'll be thinking about crimes, um, which is you know always always the goal here at Behind the Bastards. Uh, make you think about crimes, theoretical Minecraft crimes. So <clears throat> we're talking about. I mentioned earlier. Basically, all the vast majority of like reputable international medical organizations where it's like a bunch of doctors and nurses and stuff 
uh, do not recognize excited delirium as a thing. The DSM does not recognize it as a thing, but the American College of Emergency Physicians and its British counterpart do. And the why of that is a very shady story. But before we get into that really quickly, maybe not so quickly, I want to at least analyze the supposed features of this condition that most doctors don't believe exists. According to the American College of Emergency Physicians, excited delirium is characterized by, quote, bizarre behavior generating phone calls to police. So if the cops get called on you, that's a sign you might have excited delirium. Um, Oh, shit. (laughs) Yeah. Next is failure to respond to police presence and continued struggle despite restraint. The syndrome apparently endows individuals with superhuman strength and makes them impervious to pain. If you're thinking, boy, it seems like people are using medical jargon to justify racism and brutality. You're right. Uh (laughs) That is very much how this seems. Yeah. Nice, but terrible. Everyone who resists has an illness that kills them. So if they resist and we beat them to death, it's their illness that made them resist the police that killed them, not us beating them to death. That's cop logic. Oh, man. You know, I the whole time we were on the break, this was making me think of, you know, I, I can't be the only person in the crowd today thinking this. It makes me think of the way like hysteria got described as yep. a legit medical condition, right? Yeah, but while um, skipping ahead a little bit, while hysteria was often at least treated by, you know, vibrators, um, excited delirium is treated with tasers. <laughs> you also said, you also said, astute listeners will notice you use the phrase less lethal instead of the entirely oh, yes. misleading phrase non lethal, right? No, no. There is uh, actually no such thing as a non lethal weapon. Um, if it's a weapon, it can kill people. It might be hard to kill people, but it it will kill them um, if you if you really go at it. We should probably lay out a few specific cases of excited delirium deaths to explain just how often like this diagnosis is applied. One good example is the case of Gregory Lloyd Edwards, a 38 year old U.S. Army veteran with PTSD who was exi- he was agitated and 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 aggressive and stuff. You know, he was dealing with some shit. Uh, When he was arrested, uh, in order to quote-unquote restrain him, police beat, tased, pepper-sprayed, and strapped him into a restraint chair at the Brevard County Jail. From an article by Florida Today, quote, When deputies found Edwards unresponsive in his cell at the Brevard County Jail about 25 minutes after their confrontation with him ended, he was strapped in a restraint chair, his hands cuffed behind his back with a fine mesh spit hood over his head, and pepper spray still on his face. Notwithstanding, his restraint was deemed to be of secondary importance when Brevard's medical examiner, Dr. Sajid Kaiser, established a cause of death. According to the autopsy report, Edwards died of excited delirium and complications due to hyperactive and violent state with subsequent restraint. His widow, Kathleen Edwards, was both perplexed and frustrated by Kaiser's finding. Sitting in a Cracker Barrel restaurant with her small daughter, she said she'd never heard of the term before. What is that? Like, I know what delirium is, and I know what being excited is, but what is excited delirium? How does that kill you? That's a good question. 85 people in Florida have died from excited delirium over the last 10 years. Florida Today did a review of those deaths, which took place from 2009 to 2019, to try and analyze just how it was applied. They note that medical reports for deaths in police custody are, quote, almost exclusively the only places where the term apply appears in medical reports throughout the state. So the only, almost the only time the, the 
diagnosis of excited delirium is given is when people have died in police custody. Most of these cases did involve illegal drugs, usually cocaine or methamphetamine, but use of force by law enforcement was just as common. 62% of excited delirium deaths in Florida involved police use of force. In another 15% of cases, it was unclear whether or not police used force. 94% of excited delirium deaths are men. 36% of Florida's 85 excited delirium deaths were black men, while 70% of excited delirium deaths involved some sort of, sim- of, sim- of stimulant narcotic, all but one of the deaths that did not involve drugs involved use of force by law enforcement. From Florida Today, quote, One such case took place on February 9th, 2018, when 20-year-old Aaron Parker was reportedly found naked, bleeding, and sweating profusely and lying in the median of a Tallahassee street. Police tried to handcuff Parker and admit him under the Marchman Act, the drug abuse equivalent of the Baker Act. The Tallahassee Police Department said Parker began throwing punches, prompting a sergeant to deploy his taser. He was then given a sedative by EMS. Parker had to be resuscitated en route to the hospital. He died a week later. His death is reportedly still under investigation, and police withheld use of force information from the public for a week following his death. The medical examiner ruled Parker's death an accident due to excited delirium associated with probable drug use. Parker's toxicology turned up positive only for cannabinoids, not stimulants. So Hmm. this guy gets beaten and tased by police, dies on the way to the hospital. The medical examiner says it's an excited delirium death, probably because of all the drugs he was doing. And then they found out he just had a little bit of pot in his system like that. I'm quoting this because it's representative of a lot of these deaths. Wow. And you know that what's what's interesting there is, you know, the immediate question would be, is there someone who has a cause of death listed as excited delirium without in any way touching on, uh, you know, like law enforcement? finding them and and doing these horrific things yeah. to them like is there is there someone i i'm just interested genuinely. yeah there are some excited delirium deaths that don't involve police use of force and do involve drugs a lot like some medical examiners will say well it seems like it was a drug overdose or someone whose heart stopped because you know they were on drugs and excited delirium is an odd thing to apply to that we'll, we'll get into that a little bit mm. it is okay. not always diagnosed for people who uh, die in police custody, but it is predominantly diagnosed for people who die in police custody. More than three quarters of excited delirium deaths are ultimately determined to be accidents. Only 7% are declared to be homicides. This is significant because when a death is declared a homicide, there has to be an investigation. It means a homicide, a death being a homicide, means that a person's death was the result of another human being's actions. This is why police like to have them declared excited delirium, because then a death that was the result of a person's action gets declared not that, and there doesn't have to be an investigation. This is why Minneapolis police tried to declare George Floyd's death caused by a medical incident, because then it's not a homicide. Then there's no investigation, right? That's the value of this diagnosis to law enforcement. I see. That's it's cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, I'm having a hard time articulating just how horrific that is. Oh, because it's, it's going to get it's, a lot worse, Ben. <laughs> you, you, you tell me, and I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for it. But I'm just thinking, like, this is essentially at least in some cases i mm-hmm. think you've i think you've made a very solid argument that this functions as a not a necessarily get out of jail card but a stay out of jail card for law enforcement would you agree with that yeah and it's it's a it's a sweep it under the rug 
diagnosis. It's a we call mm-hmm. th- this is this was just the result. They took drugs. So number one, it's their fault. And number two, we don't have to be investigated for how our behavior may have contributed to their deaths. That's why mm. you do it. Mm-hmm. Dr. Wetley, who mm. popularized the term excited delirium, continues to be one of the most prominent voices in medicine supporting the existence of excited delirium as a deadly syndrome. He and other doctors like him theorize that the de- these deaths are caused by an excess of catecholamines, catecholamines, whatever. I'm not a doctor. A category of neurotransmitters that includes adrenaline. Again, I'm not a doctor, so I can't weigh in on this one way or the other. But other doctors have weighed in on this, and one of them is Dr. <laughs> Michael Baden. He has issues with Dr. Wetley's reasoning. Quote, this is Baden. If an overproduction of adrenaline is behind excited delirium, why hasn't excited delirium been cited as the cause of death for a police officer or a soldier since they're also exposed to highly stressful situations daily? Right? Why is it only people who die in police custody, almost only people who die in police custody who get this diagnosis if it's caused by overproduction of adrenaline? Because, like, I'm going to guess a lot of fucking Marines would be dropping to this if it was an overproduction of adrenaline issue. You know, it's he makes a good Mm -hmm. point. He adds, in general, I am of the strong opinion that excited delirium is a boutique kind of diagnosis created, unfortunately, by many of my forensic pathology colleagues, specifically for persons dying when being restrained by law enforcement. So that's doctor. Again, I can't really weigh in specifically on and call Dr. Wetley wrong. I'm not a doctor, but Dr. Michael Baden is a doctor and he's weighing in here. I think you're being very fair. Yeah, I mean, I just I I try not to like delve too deeply into medicine because I'm not a fucking doctor, which is why I try to see what other doctors are saying. And a lot of them are frustrated by this. Now, I will say other credible physicians are somewhat more measured in their phrasing than Dr. Baden was. Dr. Russell Vega, chief medical examiner for Florida's 12th district, described excited delirium as, quote, more of a behavioral state than an underlying medical diagnosis. And in general, medical examiners are statutorily tasked with and thus more focused on determining and recording the underlying medical condition than the behavioral state at the time of death. That is polite doctor speak for saying medical examiners shouldn't care how someone acted before they died. They should care about what killed them, which is about as like restrained away as kind of questioning Dr. Wetley's logic as you're going to get. Dr. Stephen J. Nelson is the chair of the Florida Medical Examiner's Commission and the medical examiner for Florida's 10th district. He said that he avoids using excited delirium in his district. Quote, it's like saying somebody dies from cardiorespiratory arrest. Well, yeah, everybody dies because their heart and their lungs stopped working. So it's not really helpful. So if you've been paying attention throughout all this so far, you should have a couple of big questions. Chief among them, why do some real doctors back up excited delirium as a thing if medical consensus seems to agree that it does not work the way cops say it does, even if it might be a legitimate way to describe behavior? It's not a medical diagnosis. Why do some doctors disagree with that? Well, Ben, that's going to bring us to friend of the pod, the Axon Corporation, makers of the taser. Now, the original taser, was, yeah, 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 we all know that sound. The original taser was invented in the mid-1970s, and the first taser corporation was founded in 1993. It changed its name to Axon pretty recent, recently. It used to be called the Taser Corporation. I'm just going to call them Axon for our purposes today because it's easier. Uh, from the beginning, the major selling point for Taser was that their weapons were less than lethal. Today, Axon's website has a whole page titled, How Safe Are Tasers?, on which they currently claim that their <laughs> weapons have saved 248,974 lives to date. 90, they say that 99.75% of Taser uses result in no serious injury. Now, 
given okay. that their business is providing a less lethal option for a force option for police, Axon stands to lose a lot of money each time somebody's heart stops because they get tased repeatedly. So decades ago, they decided to make sure that that would not happen. Step one was to hire as many doctors as they could buy, men and women who would take Axon money to carry out studies proving the safety of tasers, and who would be willing to take to the stand in order to defend America's favorite electrocution tool from claims that people sometimes died when shot with it. One of their first paid experts was Dr. Wetley, the same man who popularized excited (gasps) delirium as a diagnosis back in the mid-1980s. That's right, he's an Axon employee. There we go. Oh, well done. I did mm-hmm. want to. I did want to pause to guess because I didn't want to mm-hmm. seem prejudiced or unfair. Oh, yeah. But uh, so so it's kind of like um, uh, it, it's kind of like a uh, a company that makes <laughs> that makes uh, shit proof pants is saying mm-hmm. new studies find shitting your pants randomly is amazing on yeah. multiple <laughs> levels, right? <laughs> Provides a wide variety of health benefits. <laughs> right. That's yeah. terrible. So this is our bastard, huh? Well. One of. <laughs> there's well. a bunch of them, actually. Uh, <laughs> a lot of doctors are taking that axe on cash, it turns out. Um, now, oh. I don't know precisely when Dr. Wetley started working for Axon. In 2017, Reuters interviewed him as part of an incredibly detailed investigation they did into taser deaths, a really wonderful piece of work. Dr. Wetley claimed that the company had approached him, quote, more than a decade ago, which conveniently could mean anything from the early aughts to the late 90s when tasers started taking off. We don't know exactly when. Now, Quote from Reuters, Wetley said that excited delirium is a genuine condition and that the vast majority of deaths involving tasers he studied were caused by it. I've never seen a case where I could say that a taser actually contributed to the death, he said. As far as interfering with the heart rhythm, he added, there's never been any convincing evidence that that can actually take place. Now, one person who disagrees with Dr. Wetley is Dr. Werner Spitz, one of the foremost forensic pathologists in the country. He testified at the O.J. Simpson civil trial and at one point was called in to review the autopsy of President John F. Kennedy. Spitz has seen a number of cases where a taser caused death, and when informed of Dr. Wetley's claim, to the contrary, he told Reuters, quote, If you fire a taser into the precordial area where the heart is, whether the front or back, the electric current may very well interfere with the electrical impulses that go to the heart. But, I mean, I'm sure we can trust Dr. Wetley on this. You know, he doesn't have a conflict of interest. No, no. (laughs) Reliable, credible. Uh, It's good shit. All his his friends and family members get tasers Mm -hmm. for Christmas. You're right. Because they're so safe. Yeah. Uh, Safe. You know what else is safe? (laughs) This is a a shift from the first ad break. The R9X knife (laughs) missile by Lockheed Martin and Raytheon. With the R9X, have you ever been thinking, Ben, I want to kill most Mm. of the people in that car, but not all of the people in the other cars around them. Yeah, there are a lot of Honda Odysseys in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's tough to tell when you look through the window because there could be like nine to 12 people in there. You never know. There could be. And maybe you only want to kill three to four. That's why we have the R9X. As Lockheed Martin and Raytheon say, the R9X, it'll fuck up a Honda Odyssey. All right. (laughs) Here's some other ads. 
The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. Now, this is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. If you ever felt like you were always too much this while also never being enough that, this is the podcast for you. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth issues affecting the Latin community, and much more via my own personal stories, along with interviews with inspiring thought leaders from our community. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community that you need to know. So much of what makes our community so beautiful is our diversity, yet too often those of us who don't fit into this dumb, stereotypical box of whatever it means to be Latino are left without a voice or just forgotten about. On this show, I celebrate the uniqueness of our culture and invite you to walk in your authenticity. Listen to Life as a Gringo as a part of the Michael Tura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are back. Uh, we're back, and we're talking about 
whether or not it's possible to be killed by a taser, which a lot of doctors say, absolutely, there's hundreds of evidence of, of cases where that's happened, in which Dr. Charles Wetley, paid employee of the Axon Corporation, says, no, never. <laughs> wow. Imagine if guns work wow. this way. I mean, gun companies have fought hard to be immune, not just to like liability for what their products are used for, but to be immune to liability if they make guns that like fire when they're not supposed to. Like, look up Taurus. You know, mm-hmm. they uh, there was a case where like their safeties didn't work, and a bunch of people had their guns fire randomly into their legs and died. And Taurus wasn't liable because again, it, it's America. Weapons manufacturers have the inherent right to argue that their weapons don't harm people even when they do and that's cool i guess (laughs) which can i just say you see things like this happen on a daily basis and i don't know about you guys but i can't even slide on like overdue fines at the library you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like blockbuster knowing my luck will probably come find me at some point because i never gave back (laughs) police academy you know they'll fucking tase the shit out of you over that police academy dvd (laughs) At least it's not Police Academy 2. You know, if Fair. you die over Police Academy, that's okay. Dying over Police Academy 2 is a bridge too far. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's given me a dark night of the soul more than once, to be honest. But but you're right. Like the, the temerity uh, to, especially if you're a medical professional, right? You One could make the argument that, okay, funding I have received or my employer does not uh, affect my professional opinion. I think it's a bullshit argument, but it's an argument people can make. But to do that on top of this sort of layer cake of, you know, pardon me, uh, of, uh, of actively ignoring a mountain of evidence, that just seems like, I, I, I don't like, at what point do you get your license revoked? You know what I mean? It seems like never. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's very shady. We're, that's a, a big part of the story that we're going to get into, because Wetley is not the only doctor who's double dipping in this way. Now, when I first started digging into this subject and was trying to I was trying to answer the question, is excited delirium real or is it something that the cops invented? Um, and that article in Florida Today that I've quoted from brought me to Dr. Deborah Mash, uh, who's a professor emeritus at the University of Miami's Miller School of Medicine. According to the article, she's been studying the concept of excited delirium for decades. She is one of the most prominent medical voices who will argue that it is a real syndrome. I can't argue with her credentials, but from the beginning, some of her arguments sounded odd to me. Quote, people are in a psychiatric state and that condition is a delirium, this delirium that people experience, which is why police get involved in the first place. So that's odd. Uh, that, that like, again, she's going back to that like excited delirium. One of the ways we recognize it is if the cops get called on you, which seems like a weird thing for a medical diagnosis to be. Now, MASH has published a variety of peer-reviewed articles making the case for excited delirium as a real thing. And as far as I can tell, I think she's the first person who traced it to Bell's mania. It might've been Wetley. I'm not exactly certain on that. They both, I think, will make that argument. MASH has published a variety of peer-reviewed articles in which she makes the case for excited delirium being well-documented and founded in medicine and medical history, tracing its early description to Bell's mania. Um, 
Florida Today asked her for her take on the Gregory Edwards case. Uh, That's the vet with PTSD who died after being tased and restrained and maced. She agreed that Edwards was suffering from excited delirium, but she also called his death unnecessary, arguing that he should have been taken to a hospital rather than being put into custody. And she threads an interesting needle here, sort of throwing some soft blame on law enforcement for the man's death, but she stops short of actually saying that anything in particular they did or any tool that they used killed him. The feeling you get reading her answer is that his excited delirium killed him because he did not receive medical treatment for it. Now, this sounds a lot more reasonable than the standard law enforcement line. He died because he was on drugs, but it really is just a variant of the same thing. His death was unnecessary, but he was not killed as a direct result of police use of force. Mm. Mm. Bad faith. Bad, bad faith on on that argument, right? Mm -hmm. It it does seem like a bad faith argument. Would you be surprised to know uh, that Dr. Deborah Marsh's mentor is one Dr. Charles Wetley? Absolutely fucking not. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She calls him her mentor, um, and he's probably the person who recommended that the Axon Corporation hire her to be an expert witness in more than a dozen lawsuits. (laughs) Oh, that's so dirty. (laughs) That is so dirty. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that good shit. That's that good, good grifting shit. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the grift is strong. It's wow. like these people are like the evil. The taser doctors are like the evil version of the pot doctors, right? In California, before it was legal, we used to have all these pot doctors who were like clearly doctors who had been disgraced or wanted to retire and would just be like, I'm, <laughs> I used to be a fucking uh, oncologist. And I saw too many people die. Now I like get drunk in a room and tell people, give people pot prescriptions. And that was fine. Like I have no issue with those doctors. That was a good um, time, yeah. actually. <laughs> it was amazing because anytime I wanted, because I used to smoke a ton back then, and it was ne- it wasn't like I'm not just getting wasted during the day. I'm taking prescribed medicines, sir. Like you just go down to Venice <laughs> Beach, and there'd be some guys in in, in white coats. Mm-hmm. The doctor is in. Yeah, my favorite was a doctor <laughs> who was like horribly sunburned, long white hair, looked like an old hippie, wearing like board shorts and a t shirt with a lab coat over them. And outside of his office on Venice Beach, there was like bolted to the wall uh, a day glow painting of the Mona Lisa with a blunt in her hand. I mean, it felt very medical. Wow. <laughs> and super subtle, too, right? Very subtle. Yeah. <laughs> These taser doctors are, are not more subtle than the pot doctors. But while the, well, the pot doctors are like, I'm tired of practicing medicine. I just want to make enough money to retire telling people they can smoke pot. These guys are. Like, I'm not tired of medicine, but I would like to make money justifying deaths due to police use of force and tasers by claiming that tasers didn't kill them, drugs did, which is a lot worse. Um, So you'll see Dr. Deborah Mash quoted a lot as a subject matter expert on excited delirium. Um, That Florida Today article quoted Mash at length, but did not note her financial relationship with Axon. The thing that makes Dr. Mash brilliant is her ability to express total sympathy for victims and seem like she's not defending the cops while averting all responsibility from the cops. She told Reuters that the Edwards case was heartbreaking and avoided the obviously chuddy move of blaming the victim directly. Instead, she blamed budgetary constraints and the healthcare system. Quote, he was failed by healthcare providers, and the jails don't have the money for the staffing that they need. They need the nurse practitioners who are trained in psychiatry to identify the problem. 
See, it's not the cops' fault. Mm. It's that it's the fact that mm. they they don't have enough money to have nurses in the jails. Mm. We got to give the cops more money, and then these people won't be dying because obviously the cops will spend that money on nurses and not on more tasers. <laughs> Oh, God, you know, I'm golf clapping at mm-hmm. that Matrix Dodge. Let yeah. me make sure the sound goes in. It's impressive. Like, she's not a dumb person, um, <laughs> which is why Axon pays her. MASH is so valuable to Axon that she's become their point woman in Florida whenever someone gets killed by a taser. But Axon is a big company, and they employ a number of other medical experts in different states. And in part two of this episode, Ben, we're going to talk about the saga of Dr. Jeffrey Ho. But that's going to have to come Thursday um, because because we are done for the day. Give it a give it a nice little bit of background. Ooh. So, Ben, you got some plugs for us. How you doing? You got some plugs? Oh, yeah. Uh, first off, I'd like to thank everybody at Axon. Uh, they're they're paying me for uh, appearing on this show in part. T- no, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so if uh, if you like behind the bastards, we uh, I hope you check out uh, stuff they don't want you to know. It's a show I do with uh, critical thinking applied to corruption and conspiracy theories. Uh, you can also check out the show Ridiculous History, uh, which is exactly what it sounds like. We were not super fucking creative with the name, to be honest with you. Uh, and you can also find a, uh, find me on Twitter or Instagram, where I am at Ben Bullen. This is uh, amazingly depressing, Robert. Yeah, it's, it's pretty much a bummer. Yes. And I hope everybody makes it safely to Thursday. Yes. Avoid the cops. Don't get tased. And... If you get excited, don't be delirious, I guess. Don't be delirious. Eat Doritos. No. Eat do- Oh, boy. We haven't had a Doritos plug in a minute. Yeah, we'll catch you all on Thursday. We'll talk about Dr. Jeffrey Ho. We'll, we'll throw out some ads from our new sponsor, Linco Industries, maker of the Bearcat G3, which is, of course, the most popular wheeled armored response vehicle by American law enforcement SWAT teams. Uh, Linco. If you are a small police department who needs a vehicle that can take an explosion for no real reason, your best bet is Linco. That's the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Good times. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What up? I am Dramos, host of the Life as a Gringo podcast. This is a show for the Nosabo kids, the, the 200 percenters. Here we celebrate your otherness and embrace living in the gray area. Every Tuesday, I'll be bringing you conversations around personal growth, 
issues affecting the Latin community, and much more. Then, every Thursday, I'll be tackling trending stories and current events from our community. Listen to Life as a Gringo on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.